Hey homies, welcome back to another episode of Graduating in Growth. Today I have such an amazing human being on and the funniest thing about our podcast recording today is I literally texted her about 20 minutes ago asking if she wanted to do it in her pajamas because it's 8 a.m. on a Friday and it's 8 a.m. on a Friday. So anyways, (laughs) everybody, this is Ariel Staffan. Ariel, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Hey y'all, my name is Ariel. I am originally from Bridgewater, New Jersey, which is Right in the heart of central New Jersey. Yes, central Jersey does exist. But I'm I'm currently in Ithaca, New York, um, where I go to school at Cornell. So, yes, I'm sitting here in my PJs on my comfy bed. Um, Very excited for this. As I said, I went to school uh, in Bridgewater, New New Jersey. I went to high school, Bridgewater, Virgin High School. I was very involved in our marching band when I was there. Absolutely love marching band. Um, I did did win ensemble as well. Yes, I'm a band nerd through and through. We actually, I was in band, choir, and orchestra, so we called it the trifecta. Um, of all three, there's a couple of us that did everything. Um, <laughs> but I love music, so yes, very involved in music and band and in choir. I did acapella. I'm a beatboxer, so that was always really fun. And then also just outside of school, I was involved in Girl Scouts. I was very involved in my church, volunteering and things like that. I just love giving back to my community and spending time with my family. And in all those activities were ways that I got to do that. So as I said before, now I'm at Cornell University. I'm a senior here. Oh, Actually, so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's surreal. It's absolutely surreal. Um, I did my freshman year at Rutgers University. So I was home for a year, which was really nice. But now I'm a senior at Cornell, getting ready to graduate and go off into the real world. That's crazy. So tell me, so you said that you were a beatboxer. Well, not you were, you are. What's been your favorite song or favorite memory from high school? Like, cause I, so I was an acapella too growing up and I, I don't know what it is, but acapella is just so cool. It's so cool. And so my fondest memories from high school have been in acapella. I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> one of my, I don't know if I can pick a favorite, favorite, but one of my favorites is definitely, um, we had this, competition called the sing-off and it was just it like, like a riff-off like n- no it was like, more, more like perfect. it wasn't it wasn't all acapella um it was like american idol vibes kind of there's judges and it was, it was a competition sing competition um Whoa. and it was like in our in our high school and my group we it was myself two vocalists and a uh, piano accompaniment and I was the big boxer for the group and my part didn't come in till halfway through and I didn't like tell anyone or list myself in the program as the boxer. Um, and I actually, I saw one of the judges oh before gosh. the show. I like let them into the schoolers, but not realizing they were judged. And they're like, Oh, like, are you performing tonight? And I was like, yeah. And I almost told them I was like beatboxing, but then for some reason, instinctively, I was like, nah, let's keep it a surprise. And they ended up being one of the judges. And I like my part came in halfway through the show and I was in front of the judges' table, so I didn't get to see their reaction. But everyone in the audience said their reaction was the best part of the entire show because they just had no idea that I was going to start beatboxing. And I remember doing the judges' comments. Um, the one judge was like, wow, I've never seen a six-foot-tall red-headed beatboxer before. <laughs> and um, and it, was just, it was kind of fun because it, it was one of the first times that I really like established myself as a beatboxer, not just as a compliment for groups right um, the first time that I kind of been recognized for the individual uh, talent and contribution that's so cool wow well, 
I can only imagine seeing their faces. Yeah, I, I wish I had. I wish I would have recorded it, but the, the recording of that um, didn't have the judges in it. Uh, of course it didn't. Of course it didn't. That's awesome, though. So I know you mentioned that you were a huge band nerd and stuff. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like, why or how did you get involved? Were your parents really involved in it? Tell us more about that. So I just grew up in a super musical family. Me too. Um, so <laughs> when, I was, when I was in second grade, I my sisters, I've triplet older sisters, which is wonderful. I love that. Oh my um, god, that's crazy! It's, it's a blast. A really good. I I've never actually met. Okay, so I have my big and my sorority is a triplet, and she's the oh, only I. other person that I've ever met who is like a triplet or has like triplet sisters. That's crazy. Yeah, I love it. Um, it's so much fun. <laughs> a little <laughs> anyway, insane, a little crazy at times, yeah. you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but they, they do they do uh, influence a lot of what I do in a great way. Um, but I remember they started playing. They all started playing the trumpet with aspirations to one day play the French horn. Our school wouldn't let them start on French horn. Um, but so they all started on okay. trumpet. And <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm going to do something completely different. So my mom, my grandmother both played clarinet. And I was like, cool, that's what I'm going to play. And so I started playing the clarinet in second grade. Um, played it all through intermediate school and middle school and our bands and those. And then starting freshman year in high school, I, I kept playing the clarinet. And our band director was trying to recruit for more members for the brass section for marching band because that's where you needed a lot more of the sound. Right. And he's like, Hey, Ariel, you want to, you want to play mellophone, which is the marching version of the French horn, which is what my sisters all played. And I was like, no, I play the clarinet, like a marching clarinet. No. Um, and he's like, Harry, hey, you want to come play mellophone? He's like, you can still play clarinet in the concert band, just like march mellophone. And I was like, I can't play a brass instrument. I'm a woodwind player. He's like, no, come play, come play. So finally he twisted my arm enough. <laughs> and I was like, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll march mellophone, but I'm sticking on clarinet in the wind ensemble. Famous last words. Um, R.I.P. My, <laughs> my sister is three years older than me. Um, were graduating at the end, high school at the end of my freshman year. And they were like the three, three of the best horn players in the state. They're ridiculously talented. And so Who they were going to be, <laughs> gonna be <laughs> leaving like the entire French horn section in the wind ensemble open. And so my director was like, hey, Ariel, do you want to play French horn? I was like, no, nah, I told you clarinet. I kept my instrument. Right. He's like, hey, Ariel, do you want to play? And he convinced me enough. And I remember one day I walked to his office. And I was like, hey, can I maybe borrow a French horn for a little bit? I've never seen him so excited. He was, like, thrilled. Oh, my <laughs> so, gosh, that's so funny. Um, but my sisters, uh, they taught me how to play French horn. And I ended up making them an ensemble and playing in that for three years and it just it's something so special to get to share with them um just have that connection Mm -hmm. and get to get to be a part of that with them even though we we've never really like played in like a concert band all together I don't think but we've we've gone to perform like quartets in our church or like be a part of of kind of like bigger concerts together which has been an absolute blast and really special and kind of leave that legacy of like the staff Mm -hmm. and French horns behind (laughs) so that's so cool. I know growing up, my brother is an amazing jazz pianist and um, he was more, he was a huge band nerd. I was definitely more of a choir girl, um, but we grew up and we would always sing like jazz songs together during the holidays and stuff. And I remember like over the summer when I was getting ready to compete for Miss Ohio, like I came to, well, I snuck in, snuck in, a little sneaking in <laughs> to our high school performing arts center so I could practice. 
And so sometimes he would come so he could play on the baby grand. And so we would always like sing, he would play, I would sing together. And it was just like, it's like one of those moments, you know, I don't think anybody really understands like that unless you experience something where you and your siblings are creating music together. There's just something so innate about it. And it makes me really, really happy. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. I love it. Whenever we come home for breaks and whatnot, we, we bring our French horns and we'll play quartets. And my mom always gets really emotional. When Teary she eyed. She's like, oh, my God, they like each other. <laughs> <laughs> we love each other. We're, we're best friends. Um, That's but. awesome. That's so cool. So outside of that, so, of course, you know, you're super involved in band and stuff. Were you involved in any other clubs or organizations on, um, in high school, like service clubs and stuff? I was in Girl Scouts, yes. and it was I something I did since, like, since I was in kindergarten. I was going to ask you, did you stick through it all to up until the end of high school? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, you did it. There, was, there were five of us in, the, in our troop when we graduated high school. Two of us had been in the same troop since kindergarten, um, mm-hmm. all the way through. A third one, she had been in Girl Scouts since kindergarten, but in a different troop. And the other two, mm-hmm. I think, joined like a couple of years after. But we had all been in since very early on, um, and it was it was really fun to kind of get to finish that out together. Right, yeah. I I always hear about Boy Scouts finishing it out, but I never hear about Girl Scouts. That's really cool. That's awesome. So yeah, I got to do my gold award, which was an absolute blast, and it's kind of cool to to look back on and see what I got to do as I think I was like sixteen or seventeen when I did it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Okay, that's so cool. So obviously, everybody, Ariel is multifaceted and very talented and also incredibly intelligent. So tell us a little bit more about high school and going to college. Where were you looking at going? What were you looking at majoring in? Tell us a little bit more about what was happening going through your mind when you were in, you know, the end of high school, trying to figure out who you are and who you wanted to be. Of course. So I... Going into like the college admission process, really didn't know what I wanted to major in. Right. I, I mean, I had some ideas of like quote unquote dream job. But <laughs> Nothing wrong I, with I that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have like a plan. I, I'm not sure I still do, but um, I didn't. I didn't really have an idea. But both my parents had gone to Cornell, and they had a lot of friends that were hotelies. Hotelies is what we call the students that go to the hotel school here, study hospitality, and they said that my personality matched them a lot. They said, you, you like people, you like service, you like a very changing environment. Um, you love that, that hands-on, that hands-on activity. And I also loved being in the kitchen. I loved planning events. I loved, I was the one who went and set the table all fancy before family dinner. That's awesome. And so they were like, start looking into hospitality programs. We think you'll like that. And so I started looking at a bunch of schools that have fantastic programs. Um, Cornell happens to have the best one in the country. <laughs> Arguably Flex, the best one in the world. Know? But, but that's, a different that's the best one in the world. Ariel, what are you doing? <laughs> Transfer right there's now. Ar- there's arguments about it. But, uh, <laughs> but we think we're the best in the world. Um, and, and so that was, it was my, my dream school. Now, I, I had always wanted to go to Cornell, even since I was very little, just because both my parents went here. Um, we have just a lot of family ties to it. And we, we spent almost every summer coming up for a reunion. So um, it's always been a very, very homey place to me. And, but I, when I applied, I applied early decision to Cornell, got deferred. So I applied regular decision, also applied to a couple other schools. And I got what's called the transfer option at Cornell, 
which is basically a guaranteed transfer to start your sophomore year. So they, they basically say, go somewhere else freshman year, don't fail out, don't get arrested, and, and you're guaranteed your spot to transfer. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So they, they do that because at Cornell, they require all freshmen to live on campus. And so they only have a certain number of like beds per, mm, per, per major. student. Yeah, um, major. And so the hotel school only gets to accept uh, 200 students per year. But they want their class to be about 220, 230. So they accept those 200. And then the last 20 or 30, they say, hey, start sophomore year um, when we're able to take a couple more. And so actually when I got the acceptance letter or the, I guess the not acceptance letter, uh, I just read the first line that says, unfortunately, we can't accept you this year and kind of stopped reading. Oh, right. Um, I would more too. Or less, yeah. More or less interpreted it as like a, oh, yeah, you're welcome to apply for transfer next year. And I was like, well, everyone's welcome to apply for transfer. Like, right. Um, right. Exactly. So just like, didn't, I just told my family that I got uh, rejected. And a couple of days later, I like in passing mentioned to my sister who also went to Cornell, one of my sisters, um, and she was like well wait say that again like the transfer option that's actually a thing that's not just like a oh apply to transfer that's like an actual program they have and I was like nah 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 just like look into it and so we looked more into it uh emailed something someone from admissions and they're like no like you were accepted just not till sophomore year um so then it became the question of did I want to go to a hospitality program that I would be able to spend four years at or was it worth taking a year somewhere else to go to get that opportunity to go to Cornell. And I knew that if I started just the way I am and the way I connect with people, I knew that if I started at another hospitality program, uh, I was going to stay there all four years. Right, there was no right. way I was, I was transferring out. So I was like, I have to go somewhere that doesn't have hospitality. So I'm not tempted to stay. Right. Um, right. And thankfully had applied to Rutgers as we, we, my dad asked us all to apply as like a financial safety school because it's in, in state. Um, right. We're, yeah. We're, we're blessed to have such a fantastic school in our backyard. How far away do you live? Like 20 minutes. Oh, that's super nice. So, yeah, and it was, yeah. It, it was a blessing to have that fantastic program as as our quote-unquote safety school. Yeah, um, casual, to, like, you know. That, that the, our, our backup was was a blessing. And I actually, I almost didn't apply to Rutgers because I'd already gotten accepted to a couple other places by the time Rutgers' application was due. And I was like, I was like fighting my dad on it. I was like, I know I'm not going there. Like I've already been accepted to other programs. Like, why am I even applying? My dad was like, please just apply. And I'm really glad that I just got to do it. Just got to do it. It'll take 10 minutes out of your day. Just do it. Yeah. Um, But I'm glad that I'm glad that he made me because that's where I ended up spending my freshman year. And even though we didn't have a hospitality program, it was really hard to leave at the end of of the year because I just fell in love with it. It was loved being home. It was a great school. I, I love that big school spirit feel. Um, but but I did leave and I, I transferred to Cornell. And um, the transfer was tough. I'm not great with change. Yeah. There was a while during sophomore year that I was like, maybe I just go back to Rutgers. I liked it there. Right. Um, and like, I don't know, those people, those friendships that you make your freshman year of college, it's really, it's really, really hard to just let go it's yeah. so hard to just let go but tell me more about your parents so both of your parents went to Cornell did they meet there and fall in love and all the things yes, what, were their... <laughs> <laughs> what were their um uh majors my dad was engineering it was operations research engineering and then my mom was biology um I think 
Well, she's going to be mad that I remember this. It was either biochem, something really smart in STEM. Um, yeah. <laughs> but either way, one or the other, it's ba- basically the same thing, not the same thing, but basically the same thing yeah. if you're not in STEM. <laughs> she was in with a lot of the, the pre-med majors, but she wasn't pre-med. And she was like, I'm just trying to like enjoy this. Like, I just like this topic. And she had to deal with all like the cutthroat pre-med like, majors kind of like sabotage each other. But she did very well. That's so funny. They both did. And then they both also got their... My dad got his MNG and MBA, the Cornell, and my mom also came back for her MBA. And they were actually, they were both, uh, my mom was also tried out like you are, and they were both house parents for um, their, for the tried out when they came back for their grad school. Oh my gosh, no way! Their mom and dad to um, a bunch of, a bunch of women. All right. Well, if I ever get to meet your mom and shake her hand, I'll do our Tri Delta handshake and talk to her about all of our secret sisterhood things. She'll love that. <laughs> I know she will. <laughs> I love it. I think it's so fun. That's so cool, though. So it's just Cornell is just in your bones. It is. We bleed big red, what we say. <laughs> but um, so what other schools did you apply to then? I know you mentioned that you applied, obviously, to Rutgers. Um, so applied to Penn State, Purdue, uh, Michigan State, and Virginia Tech with the other four. They all have also have fantastic hospitality, hospitality programs. programs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was a scientist for that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's cool, though. Those are all fantastic schools. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was really fun to kind of pick the schools. Um, I was also, growing up, I was really involved in 4-H, and I, so I showed cows all growing up, which was an absolute blast, but it also gave me this, like, love for agriculture, right. and all all five of those schools, um, like those four and, and Cornell, all, aside from having fantastic hospitality programs, have phenomenal agricultural programs and, like, dairy programs, and so while I didn't really have any interest in, in studying that, it was nice to know that wherever I went, I would have that connection to that, mm-hmm. that group of people. In case, yeah, and it's like your kind of people and in case you decided that you wanted to change your major and you saw people who were doing that and you could ask them questions and stuff. I think it's really important, too, when you're choosing a college or university that you don't just look at the, the that one specific program at the university because um, a lot of times students change their major because they figure out more about themselves. So choosing a college that not only has the major that you want but also has you know, great programs in general for the careers that you might possibly want to go down is really important when you're choosing a university. And that's kind of why, that's one of the reasons why I came to the University of Cincinnati. There was, there was a lot of schools that I was looking at that I didn't end up applying to because they would have great hospitality programs, but they didn't have um, a lot of other majors that I was interested in. So right. be like, was known for hospitality and math and I was like well I know I'm not going to transfer into math like I know I don't want to major that right um and so my my parents were really helpful in, in being like hey like when you look at the school yes the hospitality program that's your focus but make sure it's somewhere that even if you decided to transfer majors you'd be happy in anything um they have things that other opportunities you'd be happy in and in all the schools that I applied to fit that profile right exactly see girl you got it Um, so, but in your decision, you know, when you came to Cornell and the whole debacle of like having to transfer in your second year, I guess like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a little like punch in the face and the chest that you didn't get to go on campus your freshman year. 
um, at Cornell, but who kind of impacted you the most when making the decision to do the transfer program? You're laughing. She's laughing right now. Everybody. She's like, oh my gosh, you have no idea. (laughs) You're Um, like, just wait, let's hear the tea. So, um, I'll preface this with that. If anyone at Penn state admissions uh, is listening to this, um, please don't take it personally. I love Penn state. My sister actually goes there for grad school now, but (laughs) it was at the Penn state accepted students day. I decided to go to Cornell um, because I, yeah. So, and it was nothing about like the Penn State's program was phenomenal, but um, there was a student there. So I, I got accepted to Penn State and their honors college. And I, like, for, <laughs> I forgot <laughs> to sign up for the honors college tour. Um, so we show up on accepted students day and we like walk into the honors college and we're like, Hey, like, me and my mom. Like, hey, like, can we go on the tour? Like, you sign up? And I was like, I'm sorry, I forgot. Like, I didn't know it was like something you, I thought you just, the informational flyer was just to show up. And it was like a sign up. Um, and so they just like put us in random groups. They put me in one, my mom in the other. Um, and at the end of my, at the end of our tour, my mom texted me and goes, Hey, Ariel, like, there's someone I want you to come meet. Apparently, her group, the tour guide, had gotten sick that morning. So they just pulled a random freshman out of the, the hallway and was like, Hey, can you give this tour around the Honors College? And her name is Alice. Um, and she was talking at the end of their tour to some of the parents about how she had been deciding, she was a hospitality student, been deciding between Penn State and Cornell. And so after the tour, my mom kind of like pulled the tour guide aside and was like, hey, I heard you had decided between Penn State and Cornell. I'm just curious what made you choose Penn State. Um, she didn't tell her that I was make, trying to make the same decision. Um, at that point, Penn State and Cornell were my two, my two options that I was really considering. And... And Alice is like, well, I haven't told anyone at Penn State yet, but I actually got accepted on a transfer option to Cornell, and I've decided to take it. My mom goes, no way. She goes, this is too, like, too coincidental. Like, this is too perfect. Some, some divine intervention that day. Um, that just everything that had to line up, like us not signing up, and that she got put randomly in that group, and the tour guide not being able to give it that morning. So this new tour guide came in, and she happened to be in the exact same situation that I was. Um, but... So my mom texted me, she's like, you have to come talk to this girl. Like, my biggest thing was I wasn't against doing the transfer option, but I wanted to talk to someone that had like already gone through and made that decision. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, I've made the decision. I'm happy. Like, I just needed that confirmation that that it wasn't a, a terrible decision that people didn't, weren't miserable when they got their sophomore year. Um, and so I, I talked to her and she was like, yeah, like, I love Penn state. It's incredible. Their program's phenomenal. It's a really hard decision to leave, but but I just like can't pass up studying at my dream school. And, and I was like, words out of my mouth. You're right. Like, or, and so uh, it, it's kind of the joke. And I, I still went to Cornell at Students Day and, and it solidified it. But it's a joke that I decided at Penn State at Students Day that I would be going to Cornell. So <laughs> uh, after I got home from that, I was like, accept my Rutgers uh, admittance for my freshman year. And then I like, accepted the preliminarily accepted the transfer option to Cornell as well. That's awesome. But, so yeah, that, that's the story of the decision, but it, it was a really hard decision. Um, just again, going back to that, like deciding I wanted to spend four years at a program and really get a settle in or whether I wanted to, to delay that year to get the opportunity to study at, at Cornell's hotel school. And I'm glad I did, but it, it was a very, a very tough transition. Right. I, I think that like the world works in mysterious ways and that everything, everything always happens for a reason, whether you realize it or not, everything does. 
There's Absolutely. there's just no no denying that. Absolutely. And, I mean, did you ever get to see that girl again at Cornell on campus? Oh yeah. Yeah, she like was friends with my sister. That's she was, so funny. Her her older brother was really involved in the Christian group on campus. Mm-hmm. Um and the the same group my sister was in, so like they knew each other. And I actually got to school and I arrived like I, I texted her that I was coming to Cornell and I ran into her like one of the first our, the hotel school is super small. Right. We call it we call it Statler High. Because it's literally a high school. It's 800 kids. Every teacher knows every every professor knows every student. We have lockers. We have prom. Like it's it's great. That could be a really good or a really bad thing. <laughs> I, I love it because like Cornell's pretty big, um, so you get that like bigger school vibe. They're, they're Division but, One, aren't they? Yes, they are. But your classes are small. That's awesome. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, it's like I ran into her in in, in the school. I was like, oh gosh, Alice, like you're, uh, I would tell people that she was the reason I'm, I'm at Cornell and she'd be like, no, stop. And I'm like, no, but actually like mm-hmm. fully the reason. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> I love that though. That's really cool. So, you know, that's absolutely amazing. But you know, what recommendations would you give to someone wanting to attend Cornell or an Ivy league, you know, because it, it, it's so competitive, right? It's, yeah. it's hard and you have to be you know, well-rounded in everything, every single aspect of your life. So what recommendations would you give somebody who wants to, who has dreams of going to an Ivy League? Um, honestly, and I say this completely candidly and not from like a place of, of superiority. It's not for everyone. There was a while that I like, wasn't even sure if it was for me. It's and, and not in the sense of like, oh, people might not be good enough for it. Like it's, it's hard and you have to be there because you love what you're studying. Um, I see people that are here just because they, they want the name on their, on their college degree. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to say that they went to Cornell, that they went to an Ivy league. And I mean, even being here in a program that I love, it took me a while to be like, yes, I should be here. I want to be here. It's, it's not it's like if you're saying I want to go to an Ivy league because I think I need that to get a good job. That is absolutely incorrect. There are so many fantastic universities like across the country and internationally to attend. And like, I love Cornell. I love the hotel school. I absolutely adore it. I think it's a, it's a fantastic place to be. Um, so if, if you want to come here, make sure that it's, it's because you love the program or any, I want to be there. Yeah. Make sure it's, it's that you want to be there. And, that, and there is, there is something about that, like the high rigor and the, and the competitiveness of the, of the studying and of the education. And if that's something that you're, you're, that you thrive and you thrive in that, that high, that kind of a high pressure environment, then absolutely. It's a great place to be. Um, but my, my saving grace is that I absolutely adore my major and I, every single class that I take, even the ones that I'm not good at, like even I'm, I'm not a math minded person. So even like accounting, uh, which I was not Thanks. good at, um, I was still, I understood why they were teaching it. They did a very good job of being like, we know you're not going to be accountants, but you still need to know the basics. Right. And um, I'm hoping to go into, into restaurant operations. But even when we take the hotel, the hotel side or the real estate classes, the finance classes, I, I enjoy it. I, I don't think I've taken a class that I haven't liked here. So my, my biggest piece of advice and biggest recommendation is make sure you're genuinely doing something you love, because if you're not, if you're not, you're going to burn out real quickly. Um, there's been a lot of people that have just completely burnt out here. And I don't understand why they're putting themselves through it just for a name on a transcript a name on the on a degree but but it it is it is a 
a great place to be. And there are so many incredible opportunities that being here provides. Um, so if, if it's, if it's someplace you want to be, it's, it, it's not, I think there's this conception that the Ivy league is like a top tier place and like an unreachable place. Um, it's not, I wasn't, I wasn't a star student in high school. I mean, I worked really hard, but I was one of those students who had to work twice as hard for half the grades. Oh, right. Um, right. Things, yeah, things didn't come naturally to me. I, I was in a good amount of AP and honors classes, but they didn't come naturally. I worked my butt off. Um, but so you don't, you don't need that, that perfect, that perfect GPA or like all the, all the, the token clubs on your resume or things like that, all the president positions and organizations you just a genuine real person is what they're looking for there's so many different people that come here so many different backgrounds so many different experiences so many different skills levels um so it, it's i think the conception that the ivy league is this like untouchable superior thing is is very false i mean i i, I don't consider myself a star student um <laughs> you consider yourself would, a student <laughs> yeah, my mom would get mad at me for saying that she's my biggest fan um, I love but, it so much. <laughs> um, and but I think it's it's a it's a wonderful place to be um, if you if you really want to be here. So I love how you say that because I think you know over time, what I've really I what I've realized is that passion trumps all. That if you don't love what you're doing, why are you there? Yeah. Like. The name means nothing when, like, the people, what you're doing means everything. Yeah. Like, if you don't feel fulfilled and what wakes you up every morning, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And that was, like, a hard decision because I, I came to that decision. I mean, like, not with when I was going to, like, picking out a university, but, like, within my majors. And um, I re just realized, I was like, what I'm doing right now, I was originally in education. I'm like, what I'm doing right now is like great for the community. And it, it's amazing. And it's a great career. But I said, but it's not for me. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, you know, you mentioned that you go to the hotel school and, you know, that's just kind of like your personality and what you were going for. And I like how you, you mentioned, you're like, I, you weren't the star student. You're not the star student. But, you know, you understand that some of the classes that you have to take that are a little bit suckier, a little bit more difficult for you, you don't just you don't stray away from the challenge because you know that you need to know this and there will be a situation years down the road where they're going to ask you about some sort of accounting thing and you're going to be like, you know what? I know this. Let me pull up my accounting notes. I was telling us you're not going to be accountants, but you're going to be managing accountants. Exactly. So you need to know the basics of what they're doing so you can keep them on track. But no, I've that the whole like the major thing I, in our school, there's kind of a big, it's almost like a joke, like the divide between the operation side of the industry, like actually running the hotels and restaurants and the more business side, like the real estate finance side. Right. Um, and the, the operation side is definitely more of the kind of the, the hands on boots on the ground and the operations is the more quote unquote prestigious. Like that's the, the big firms, people land jobs at Starwood, people land jobs at, at McKinsey, um, just like c consulting banks, uh, huge real estate firms. Um, asset management management companies, and and there was a little while at the beginning of the year that I was like, why aren't I using the Cornell name to try to land one of those big jobs? And like my experience at the hotel school, like the network, right. the alumni network here is phenomenal. Oh. Um, and no, it's awful. It's just absolutely terrible. It's and and so um, <laughs> I mean, that was a joke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but 
like the the hotel network is so tight and you can you can you're literally a call like people put their phone numbers in our directory so that you can literally just call them you can call like literally any company you want to work at mm-hmm. um and i was like why aren't i taking advantage of that and getting that big name in my resume but i i don't i don't like the real estate finance side of things and i wouldn't enjoy it and right. as cool as it would be to to be able to to walk around and be like yeah i also landed like i'm I'm good enough to be at those places too. Like I have no intentions. I have no aspirations to do that. And so it was, it was a little battle I had myself that I was like, Oh, maybe I should just apply just so I can know that I, that I did, that I could. And, but I was like, why would I put myself through that? So I definitely, definitely felt that anyway, it was a fight for a while. Of like trying to prove that I, as a senior, still trying to prove that I belonged. Yeah. And you're such a people person too, that I think that the hands on the ground, the nitty gritty, like that's just so you. Yeah. And there's some people who do, who are just so much more on the real estate finance side and, and they're going to do incredible. There's some, some of my best friends are like totally that side and are going to absolutely thrive there. And I can't wait to see them running those companies one day, <laughs> but so not awesome. me. That's okay. So outside of that, the one, something, something that's really, really cool about Ariel is that not only is she just like a huge bad nerd, um, girl <laughs> boss, you know, Cornell Ivy League student, but she's actually part of the ROTC here at Cornell. So tell us a little bit about why ROTC, you know, what it's like and how you kind of got into it. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, joining the military <laughs> was, was <it> <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> the six foot <laughs> tall skinny girl <laughs> i love it um joining the military was an impulse decision more or less um sometimes impulsive decisions are like the yeah, best things ever really. not really even sometimes nice. like all the time basically yeah it was and it's definitely been one of the best decisions I've ever made but i remember it was we had recruiters that would come into our school mm-hmm. every now and again our high school every now and again and there's just one day that I was like, I had been thinking about it for a little while. I guess, I guess it wasn't I feel like impulse, everybody kind of considers it for a little bit. They do. They do. Yeah. And I just kept kind of considering it for a little longer than I should have. And now I'm a senior in RTC. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I like, so in, in high school, in marching band was very, was very disciplined. It, it had a little bit of that kind of like uniform military feel to it. And, but it was also, it kept me online. We always, we would tell as a recruiting tactic, we would tell parents that all of us did better with like with grades when we were in season for marching band than out of season. And it was fully true because when you're in season, your social life is marching band, your extracurricular is marching band, you're, you're working out is marching band. Everything that's not homework or school is marching band. And so you don't feel like you're like missing out on parties or anything because you're spending multiple nights a week with your best friends. Mm-hmm. And, and so then when you're not a marching band, you have no problem sitting down doing homework. Like, cause you don't, you're not really distracted by other things or feel like you need to go into other things. And, and I knew I needed something like that in college or I was going to fail out. Like not, not focused. Structure. You need some sort of structure. Yeah. I, I needed that, that structure, that professionalism, that discipline. And as cool as college marching band is, that's not, it's not <laughs> the same. It's much more, oh much God. more school spirit um, than anything. And I also just really wanted to serve. And so I like this kind of like lingering thought for a while, but I was, it wasn't really like a real thought. And then I think the day that I decided, like someone has kind of like pissed me off. I, I, like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but somebody pissed you off and you're like, you know what? I'm going to join the army. Like, <laughs> and they're yeah. going to use a gun. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, like, like, it, it wasn't at all in the context of like, the military but it was like I don't remember I was like 
I said like, oh, like the recruiters here, and they're like, why would you? It, it was like it was like a, a doubting me kind of thing, like a uh, not even putting me in that. And I was like, one of those people. So I was like, you don't like those people. No. Um, and like it was, it was a friend of mine. Like he didn't mean anything. Like it, that's not his intention. But I was like, it just like rubbed me the wrong way. And so like, I like I was like that. Like that's why I was an impulse decision. I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Like watch me. It was like, the biggest. But thankfully, my decision to join the military has since developed from trying to prove people things um and, <laughs> that's um, okay that's okay sometimes yeah. you just have to prove people wrong yeah um but I, I would say that and, like my my best course of action with that was so I, I didn't tell anyone when I first started like researching and, and talking to the recruiters um our, our recruiting station was in like the downtown area right next to my hometown and so they like they, I hung out there all the time so going there after school wasn't like a weird thing to do so my my parents didn't really question it um and I I like one of my friends in high, my, my, my best friend in high school he knew that I was considering it uh because he had a cover for me a couple times where if like I was like late coming back to school for whatever reason I think one time I had like a choir concert in the evening and my mom was coming to help out set up and she actually beat me back to the school and she thought I was just staying through um like from school and so my my best friend was like oh she like ran to Somerville to get dinner and texted me he's like hey make sure you come back with dinner um and so Oh my God, I, Stephanie! I, I knew that my parents were going to be supportive. They're supportive of everything. I love them, love them dearly. Um, but I figured they'd be more supportive if I had the answers to their questions when I told them. Oh my gosh, I've made that mistake where yeah. I decided to make a decision, and then I told my parents, and they had so many questions, and I didn't know how to answer them. And then you see them unprepared, and it's like, it's like, no, I've, I've thought out this decision. So I was like, let me prove to them that I've actually thought out the decision. Right. So I hadn't told them how. In this January, I started talking to the recruiter. March is when I started like really like going into research, like talking to the, like going to the recruiting office, stuff like that. And then in May, my mom was like helping me clean something and found this folder under my desk of stuff, of information. It was like, Ariel, what is this? Like, what's all this army information? And I was like, oh, the recruiters came to our school, did an assembly and I took notes. And she's like, you don't take notes at assembly. You rarely go to assemblies. She's like, you're always off, like, working with some professor or, like, some teacher oh, or something. Well. I'm always, like, just not at assemblies. Um, and and I was like, okay, you got me. And, but I didn't, so, I mean, and they were very supportive in every single question that they asked. I, like, had at least the starts of an answer, too, which was very helpful. Um, but I didn't tell anyone else that, like, I went to school with. And that was an incredible decision because I didn't have to deal with any, like, judgment or question or doubt. And then when I, it was just my decision. And then when I, and then also I knew that I wasn't doing it for other people. I was doing it because I wanted to. Right. And when I graduated, it was like, I put something about it in like my Instagram post. That's my graduation post. I was like, that's something about my, my plans for the future. And the people that I like genuinely wanted to stay in touch with were interested and stayed involved and were very supportive. And the ones who would have made the snarky comments or doubted, I didn't stay connected with after high school, so I didn't have to deal with that. You don't and have it to. Was, <laughs> it was a, a great decision to not tell people. Um, yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, the, the root of it was I, I need something disciplined and structured, and has 100% given me that. It gets me up in the morning, um, which is nice. And I also just, like, I, lo- I love service. I've done mm-hmm. all my life being involved, like, in Girl Scouts. Our marching band was, was very service-oriented, too, very involved in the community, um, and it was just an opportunity to, to serve a bigger community. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm so it. proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's really cool too, because 
uh, you know, when you graduate high school and you're in that senior year, you know, you're making some really, really big decisions. And that I think was probably, I mean, like obviously choosing a college was really big for you, but I think joining the ROTC was probably the first real big girl decision you made, like completely on your own. Didn't even tell your parents about it. You know what I mean? Like big, big girl decision. And you didn't tell your parents, like, I'm proud of you because something that like, <laughs> what you kind of started to prove somebody wrong with ended up being like a huge game changer. And then, okay. So my question is too, so you're an ROTC, so that must help you out with your college as well. Yes. Right? That's super yes. nice. It's yeah. That's, that's like another thing. And it wasn't, a, I didn't want it to that to be the you, reason. You, yeah. No, you but, didn't join me just because of that. No. That's just a it, benefit. It, I mean, my parents got blessed and they put four kids through college. Mm-hmm. Um, and with like it supported us in every absolutely every way so being able to i got two and a half years paid for it being able to say like i remember the winter break after i got my i got awarded my scholarship at the end of fall semester sophomore year and it kicked in like january of, of sophomore year and so i remember at the end of that first semester sophomore year i was like it's your last college tuition check you'll ever have to write um, and it was, it was really nice to kind of like be able to give that back to them and be like, Hey, like you're done writing checks for like, they're not done, but like, like, in but, sense, yes, like, right. They're, they're done writing college tuition checks. Um, and it was, it was kind of, kind of nice to be able to, to do that. as like a thank you for putting all four of us through college. So, uh, graciously and selflessly. That's amazing. Wow. So what is it like? What's your day-to-day schedule with the ROTC and classes and band and everything else? So I actually, I don't do band anymore um, in college. So but, sad. But, um, you have too much going on. <laughs> um, it's more of a, just a, a side hobby now. Um, but no, so I wake up on days that I have training. It's from like 6 to 7.15-ish. Um, or I guess 6.15, 7.15. Uh, we have fitness training. It's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. We do that. And then um, I have classes just like all day. And then we have about one weekend a month. Like it's like one weekend, two or three times during the, the semester. And we'll have some kind of field training. And it's just an opportunity to kind of, so as a senior, we get to more or less run the ROTC program. The, the juniors are kind of like our primary focus for training because at the end of junior year, you go to this big training camp and that's, um, that you basically have to qualify on everything you've learned mm-hmm. over your three years in order to see. So juniors, your junior year is pretty, is, is the hardest, like the most rigorous in terms of training. And so since we all just came out of that training camp, we get to directly guide those juniors in preparing for it. And it's kind of like that, that cycle every year. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's a different, it's nice being on the other side of it. We, we paid our three years. Right. Uh, we, we, we did the training for three years. We did, we did all that. And now we get to, now we get to run it. And apply everything that we didn't like about the program going through it. <laughs> we get to change. So it's it's a lot of fun. We have like a they they kind of structure to see like the real army, um, where we have like staff positions. And so once we have a staff meeting and we get to we all, we're all given like cadet staff roles. And then we have like cadre, we call them like actual officers and and NCOs that are in charge of the RTC program here. That command it, and so but we all have one that we're kind of shadowing. So my job is it's called the S one, uh, mm-hmm. which is personnel, and so I get to do um, when we're going to different trainings. I do the transportation plans. If we have to do like rotations in platoons or squads, I, I assign who's in that. 
we have a chain of command from day to day, like where cadets are in leadership of other cadets. And so I got to help sign that. I helped collect all the information and distribute it to make sure that everyone has everyone's name and email and phone number. Um, it's a lot of just like accountability of everyone in, in the program. And it's been nice because I've gotten to know people a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and so, and but then also there's a cadre member that's also considered like the cadre S1. So I get to ask him questions and, and learn what this job would be like in the real army um, and see what, what I would have to do with it. And, and the cadre are very helpful in, in guiding us through that and like seeing what the real army is like. But so it's cool. So we, we get to like some, some real life application of it. But um, get this up in the morning keeps me keeps me active. <laughs> keeps you on your toes. Yeah. So, what's been the hardest challenge so far then? This challenge, I definitely say it's been. I mean, kind of similar with like the transferring to Cornell thing, just like the general imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I big big imposter syndrome in me. Um, so aside from ROTC, I'm also in the National Guard the guards actually like what's paying for my school. So because of that, I've already started training with them. Um, I didn't like go to basic training or anything. I just, I, I drill with them one week in a month and my, my unit is an infantry unit and um, they're an incredible unit. Uh, very much a very talented guys. Um, but I'm one of like three girls in the unit <laughs> and I'm not, qualified in, in the branch I'm not infantry qualified because I didn't go through basic training and so I'm sitting there trying to shadow the leaders of the unit and like learn how I would be leading a unit like that with zero qualification so it's this weird academy of like shadowing the people that are in charge of the unit while being the least qualified person there um and <laughs> makes that's, an interesting experience yeah and it's definitely hard because I'm I'm constantly like the, the commander tries to give me leadership opportunities which is awesome like I, I I'm very grateful for it um, and, but I, I'm, I'm doing so as someone who knows significantly less than everyone in that unit. And I, and so just like in general, in ROTC also transferring in from, I, I like, I love the Rutgers program as well. And so when I first came to Cornell, I was still very attached to the Rutgers program. Mm-hmm. And I liked it, it, it took me a while to settle in to the Cornell program and really feel at home there. And so it, it was a constant feeling of, of trying to, trying to prove to myself and to people in the program that I deserve to be there. Um, and Which is hard. Yeah. And, but it's, it's, it's been an experience. It's been a, a great growth experience. So. Okay. You've made it. It's four yes. years later. Yep. So what's been the most fun activity you guys have done? Ooh. <laughs> so this summer we went to what's called advanced camp, which is like the big camp for that everyone goes to after junior year. Uh, and I think anyone listening to this would laugh at me if I tried to say advanced camp is the most fun thing that I've done. Uh, <laughs> but, but we got to do some, friends. Some, some cool things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we got to repel, which I was terrible at, but it was cool. Um, I was very bad at it, but it's like cool. And then we got to do, uh, we get trained and like, not we, we have to experience uh, CS gas, like tear gas. Okay. Uh, so they put us inside oh. this big concrete room with gas masks, and they no they, let a bunch of, they let a bunch of gas out, and they teach us how to properly like use our mask, clear our mask, trust the gear, and they say, "Okay, take them off," and they turn on a song. We have to sing the song, keep our eyes open, and then everyone walks out after like a minute or oh, well, actually, I don't know how long. It felt like a while, but it probably wasn't that long. 
Um, we say Mr. <laughs> we say Mr. Brightside, so now Mr. Brightside has some some negative connotations. But like, um, ah, brings back the yeah. memories. Yeah. Um, but it's just like <laughs> tear gas in my eyes, <laughs> you know. Um, and while I I hope I never have to experience that in the real army, it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of cool that I got to experience that. It's like, and so that's on the on the ROTC side of things, on the uh on the guard on the National Guard side of things, my unit's a, a heavy weapons unit, like a, a mechanized unit. So we get to work with some, some like bigger weapon systems and um, vehicles that I don't get experience or hands-on with in ROTC. And so it's been cool just to, to see how that kind of unit works. I've, I've got to do driver's training to drive a Humvee. I've gotten to, to shoot some really cool uh, weapon systems. And it's just been cool to be able to do that and to have that experience, even if that's not what my job is going to be when I commission in the army to be able to say, yeah, I've, I've had my hands on, on that equipment. Like I, I have that, that knowledge that, on a basic level, but I have that knowledge. So mm-hmm. it's cool. It's really interesting. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about like, what has joining ROTC and the national guard, except you haven't gone through basic, but that's fine. Um, but what has it done for you? You know, what has it done for you? How have you like seen your growth as a woman from, you know, this, girl as a senior in high school versus this young woman now about to graduate college? I think the, the biggest thing it's done for me um, has probably been helping me get over that imposter syndrome. I struggle that, with that every day. I, yeah. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, and I, I think that since I finally like as a senior and this is at Cornell too, but I finally like, Oh yeah. Like maybe I do belong here. What a concept. <laughs> um, Crazy. What? And so like now that I'm kind of in this position, I'm trying to get everything I can out of, out of senior year. Right. And, um, everyone, everyone always tells me I do too much. Was, my biggest pet peeve is when people tell me that I do too much. Um, cause I don't, I don't think it's too much. I do a lot, but it's, it's because I, I love what I do. Exactly. It's not and, saying oh, I have to do this. It's like, I yeah. get to do this. And I remember like, we have obviously we have our, our jobs within ROTC, like our staff positions, but we also just have other like little things that people can like pick up and volunteer with and like get tasked out to. And I remember the other day, like our our cadet battalion commander sent out a list of things that we had to get done and my name was on like half of them. And one of my friends was like, Why are they giving you half of these things? Like you can you can delegate it out to people. I was like, Oh no, I signed up, like I volunteered for that. <laughs> um I was like I was like, She asked, don't worry, yeah. like she asked if I wanted to take those on. Um but so it's definitely taught me how to like step in and kind of take ownership of things. And it's given me that confidence to be like, yes, I am capable of doing this. I, I can, there are almost like there are multiple way, right ways to do something. So as long as you have those knowledge and that, like that background, like apply it, like apply your skills, apply your confidence. And RTC has given me a platform to do that, which has been incredible um, as, as has Cornell. So it's, it's definitely done a lot. Also, just being a woman in the military is super cool. It's, it's very empowering. It really is. It's, Kelly it's Renee small, Hall is listening to this yes. right now. Oh. Kelly Renee Hall. Let me tell you about Kelly. <laughs> I love her. I love She's her. so inspiring. She really is. Um, and and just getting that opportunity. And I, I can't wait Like when I commission. And we'll sure that we're not in the real army yet. But when I commission and get to be in the real army. And I actually am qualified in, in my job and everything like that to kind of hopefully get to provide that same role model persona for younger women and um be able to be that person that's like yeah join the military like do it do it you won't 
<laughs> um, Bet. Yeah. <laughs> Bet. That's, that's, that's what I faced, like, coming into it. It was, it was almost like that moment of internal conflict, like a the one half of me saw the little little guy on my left shoulder was like, oh, you're considering it? Do it, do it. And the one on my right shoulder was like, nah, you shouldn't do it. And <laughs> thankfully the left shoulder won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. And I think it's it's so defining in anybody's life to go through the military. And if you're considering it, reach out to Ariel. Yes, She'll give you some advice. I remember when I was when I was considering it, there are people like on Instagram, I would, I would like the equivalent of cold call like slide into their oh, DM. Oh my gosh, yes. Literally. I was like, I would be like, hey, I see that in your bio it says you do ROTC. Like, no clue who they are. I was like, can you just tell me what it's like? And some of them were very, like, concerned about me cold calling them over it. Like, like reaching out like that. They were like, what are you, who are you? But some of them were very helpful. Um, right. Or it'd be people who I was like, oh, like, you know, like this friend and this friend, like, I think we went to high school together. Like, and I see you doing ROTC. Like, can you tell me what it's like? And I remember my sophomore year, there was someone that I like, vaguely knew I think from from I, I did track and field in high school too and so someone I like vaguely knew from that um and she was like hey like I don't know if you remember me I think we were in track together and she might have been in choir also she's like I'm I'm considering ROTC like can you tell me about it I was like full circle full yeah. circle like the, the random like reaching out to people you barely know because you're you're just trying to get information on it mm-hmm. um and so even just like that little experience I'm so excited to hopefully be able to provide that for be the same thing that that Kelly does is just like be a positive role model. Um, the whole like do both idea is is very much for me to do all. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm so empowered by that. Like talking to it. you about this right now too, and thinking about so when we talk about do both, Ariel and I actually met through the Miss America Scholarship Organization. So. We met through Jade Glab, who was Miss New Jersey, <laughs> through, through Body by Greg. And then I met Jade. And then we got on a call together and we just talked about life and all things and goofed around. And we just became really close after that. But, um, you know, speaking about doing both, Ariel has competed for Miss New Jersey um, last year for her first time ever, just as I competed for Miss Ohio for my first time ever. So tell me about why you decided to compete. You know, what turned you to the organization? It's also a huge decision to even compete in a pageant. Um, So tell us more about that. Yes. So I, before I did Miss America, I held a different title and a different system. Um, As I told you before, I was involved in in 4-H and showing cows and so you're gonna laugh oh saying, my gosh no okay you have to meet her miss ohio right now her name is laura current yeah and you know laura I mean, or, not, like, you follow her yeah super huge 4-h girl she was like ohio state fair queen like all the yeah. things yep yep um, <laughs> yep well, we, we didn't have a we didn't have a fair queen but yeah. i uh we had what's called dairy princess Oh my goodness! And it was basically like an advocacy position for the dairy industry. So you got you got the crown and sash, but you you got to advocate. You had to teach school programs on like why drinking milk is important, not just because your mom says so, but like genuinely. And so it was teaching this like kind of higher level like science based class, but to kids and like trying to explain to them what it does for your body and like why it's helpful, why agriculture is important for our society, why farmers are important, why you should love dairy cows. Um, and so I was my county state, or my, my county dairy princess, and then I competed for state um, and won the New Jersey State Dairy Princess. And I got to be that for a year. And That's so exciting. It. I adored it. It was 
Oh my gosh. Such an incredible time. It was so rewarding. I had an absolute blast. I got to be a cow queen for a year. Cow it was queen. so much fun. <laughs> um, I remember one time this, this this little kid, she's like, do you live in a castle? And I was like, I don't, but please ask me that more often because it just made my day. I do and now. Like, yeah, I was like, I, I would love to. I was like, do, do barns? I don't live in a barn. But um, um, but it was just it was so rewarding. And so when I when I had to give up that title after after my year of service, I wanted to, I was like, I want to keep doing this. I loved it so much. And so I I had a friend of a friend um, was involved in the system, Kira Seely. And she like she also went to Rutgers and like we had a mutual friend that I'd like gone to high school with. And so I like, saw a picture on Instagram of like her in this in MAO and was like and did the same thing I did with RNDC or just like reached out to her Instagram. I was like, we don't know each other. Uh, but you also go to Rutgers, and I see you're involved in Miss America, and I want to get involved. Can, like, we, like, meet up? And so we got dinner together one day, and she told me all about it. And then the first pageant that I competed in, or the first competition I, I competed in was Miss Central Jersey 2019. And Kira and Jade won the two titles of that competition, um, Kira being the person who got me into the organization, and then Jade, after that competition, picked me up as one of one of her little, like, mentees. Mm-hmm. Um and and so both of them helped me immensely through my first year of competing and then obviously as New Jersey went on to win um, Miss New Jersey that year and and then the, the following year Miss Central Jersey 2020 was when I got crowned and so Kira the person who got me into the uh, got me into the system actually got to pass down her title to me which was weirdly incredibly full circle that's um, awesome and it was it was surreal to to have that have been my first pageant and then the next year have get to get to carry that title um but it's it's that's that's how I got involved um and it's it was very full circle and yeah I got to compete from Miss New Jersey the summer finally after two years of oh waiting, my goodness yeah um, COVID. <laughs> but it was also a surreal experience like couldn't barely even put words to it but Something about those people. Something about that week. Stressful week, but so worth it. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I love. I love to. You know, obviously you competed in, um, like your Dairy Queen. You know, you competed. I want to say. I want to say a, uh, like state, like Fair Queen. Um, but you know, I think it's really cool because you didn't necessarily grow up doing pageants. It just kind of came to you. Something that you just wanted to get involved in, and that just shows. Number one, well, when you competed as dairy princess or dairy queen for the you know entire year of service you really realized that it was like a year of service and that it wasn't just putting on pretty gowns and making an appearance but like getting into the nitty-gritty which is awesome um so what has been the most rewarding thing that you've kind of come from this i think the most rewarding part of of being in the organization i think is definitely been the people that i've gotten to meet Mm -hmm. um like you said, we, we met through Jade. Um, v and I have never met in person. Yeah, and we will. Of, we will, 100%. We, um, we, we, most, there's just no way that we're not. <laughs> no, we're, not we're not that far from it. No. Um, but like, obviously my, my Miss New Jersey friends, I've, I've met them all in person. But most of my friends in the organization, I don't think of any, all of my friends in the organization that aren't from Jersey, I have never met in person. I have like actually have best friends like that live in Utah and Maine and, mm-hmm. and Vermont and, and Ohio. And Ohio. I'm just like having best friends you've never met in person. Like 
what are there's like just something about the friendship too and it's just yes. so spectacular it's like you, you miss the oh should we be friends portion of, of a friendship it's like it's a given it's like you're it's like forced in the best of ways yeah um, exactly so you can just reach out to anyone and be like oh i miss so and so and it's like oh nice welcome to the friend group right and like there's no there's no question everyone everyone belongs everyone everyone loves each other and that community like where else do you get that it's it's surreal to have that i i don't know where you would <laughs> and, and i know that when we're like traveling across the country and i need a place to crash for a night i can call literally any any sister in the organization and be like hey i'm stuck in the middle of new mexico anyone here oh my gosh text in a major group chat so anybody like know anybody in new mexico yeah. you know, you know. i love that though that's amazing so what advice would you give to a young woman like wanting to compete in the program but never have before? Um, short answer, do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but I'd say use don't don't feel like you have to fit a profile. Use your strength. Right. It's the biggest thing. So public speaking, one of my absolute favorite things to do. Um, I adore it so much. And so I love focusing on kind of like the public speaking advocacy side of the title and and finding opportunities to go out and speak as much as as i love a good parade as much as the next person um they like it's super fun but i would rather stand up in front of a crowd of a couple thousand people and deliver a message i agree um, that that's where i thrive or I mean, it doesn't have to be a couple thousand people stand up in front of in front of a, a school classroom of 25 and give a message and that was just like the hardest part about covid was I mean I did things online I would like record videos and I'd do things like this like video interviews stuff like that um I called them spotlights but you didn't know who if, who they're reaching like you didn't you didn't get to see that like it wasn't the same effect as when you're public speaking in front of a crowd and you get to, to see the people that you're that you're reaching right and so that was like definitely a really hard part about being virtual but especially now that we're going back to more in person um you use your skills use your strength so if public speaking isn't isn't your strength and uh, you're more of an artist, then express yourself through through an online presence, through visual things. Um, if if you love working one on one people, then express yourself through mentoring, like like spread your initiative through that. Use your title for that. Um, I also when it come, came to picking a talent and we talked a little bit before about how I beatbox. Right. Um, I so many people in the organization sing and sing, play piano or dance. Um, and those are all incredible talents. Uh, but not ones that I have. <laughs> not one that I possess. Um, no, um, and, I mean, I not well just, enough. Not well yeah, enough. Right. Fire. But that's about it. Um, and but beatboxing is has been my thing since I've been ten or eleven, and it was something that I got involved in because I was actually watching the NBC had a competition called also called the Sing Off. Actually, there's an, an, an acapella. Yeah, I've heard of it. Elimination competition. Great. Yeah. Great. Show. Uh, Deke Sharon produced it, um, or helped organize it. Oh, Deke Sharon. It's incredible. Um, incredible man. <laughs> he really is. I've got to meet him. It's really cool. He's awesome. Uh, I um, was supposed to meet him, and then it really? didn't happen. So sad. We, we do this, uh, there's like a Thursday Harmony Explosion thing that we used to do every year pre-COVID. Um, we're basically just like vocalists and clinicians from all over the state come in, and he was there at the last one, or the last one. Um, and like a clinician, which is awesome. <laughs> Casual, no big deal. Yeah. Just meeting Deke Sharon, <laughs> the most important man of acapella. Literally. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> as, I, as I as I come as down I, from my throne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
I was as the ten year old, eleven year old Ariel was watching the sing off, and one of the finalist groups had a female female beatboxer, and just because of the nature of beatboxing, the fact that it's a lot of coming from like your voice box and your throat, it's a lot easier to do when you have a naturally, a naturally lower voice. Mm-hmm. So it's biologically easier for for men to do, um, and so there's very few female beatboxers in the scheme of things. And just seeing a female that was so good in the finals was incredible. And I was like awestruck by her. And my dad was like, do you want to learn how to do that? And I was like, nah, I could never do that. And he's like, would you like to learn how to do that? And so he actually taught me. Um, and so 10, 11 years later, getting to bring that to a stage that empowers women and gives them the opportunity to shine in something having come from that being the reason that I started it was like, I think, I don't think I cried, but I walked off the stage like wanting to cry in the best of ways. Oh my gosh. 11 year old Ariel, if she could be in the audience would be, wouldn't believe it was me. First of all, would be so proud. Like, yeah, I was like, I remember being like, I'm, I'm so grateful to my dad for like believing in me just a little bit more than I believed in myself that day that he was like, you want to learn? Um, but so that was the other thing was that like for picking the talent, it, you don't have to be a, a singer or a dancer. And if you are awesome, like do it. shine. If, yeah. But even if you are a singer or a dancer, um, like picking a talent, just choose something that you love. Like yeah. don't choose the most difficult song. Don't to sing. Don't choose a hard, very hard choreographed song. If it has no meaning to you. Yeah. And that full circle moment, I wish you guys could have saw my face right there because I was just like, ah! I was just so excited because, you know, getting on a stage and performing something that you love, um, it's just like, there are no words. Yeah. There are just no words. And as far as I am aware, and if, if I'm wrong, I would love for someone to correct me, but if, as long as, as far as I'm aware, I'm the first person to bring beatboxing as a talent to the MIO stage. That's so cool. And I I hope to first person to bring it to New Jersey. And I I hope to one day be the first person to bring it to the Miss America stage. I know that the Miss Universe stage in Miss, um, Miss Israel, I think in like Miss Philippines. I don't know. There there was like a beatboxer that competed in a Miss Universe competition with that talent. That's Um, so cool. But, and that was like one of the things that I was like watching that and seeing it received so well by the audience i was like that's cool but i I think i'm the first one to bring it to the to an mao stage which is which is a cool thing to be and i like how they always say you know talent they say talent it doesn't like when they say talent it doesn't have to just be like dancing or singing it's like whatever you want to do i love that so much making it your own not trying to fit a profile has been the biggest the biggest lesson i've learned and the biggest one that i would hope to pass on yeah that was something I struggled with at first because I saw like, you know, the the one of the girls who like won Miss Ohio and, you know, like you see Miss America, Camille Schreier. And I was like, oh, I should be like them. And I'm like, but if you're like them, then mm-hmm. how are you yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, who is Ariel? Who is Via? You know, yeah. so just being like your your unique, like own self and your own brand puts you up here rather than trying to fit somebody who already has like their own brand yeah so with that being said what is next for you so you're in your fourth year of school which means that you're almost done what is next for you 
So the short answer is I have no clue. Um, That's okay. Which I came to this realization yesterday is okay and it's normal. Literally yesterday. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I called my mom and I said, I don't know what I'm doing after college and that's allowed. And she goes, I've been trying to tell you that for a while, but good job. <laughs> um, but I, I I will have training, mandatory military training right when I, a little bit after I graduate, that'll prepare me for whatever my job in the military is going to be. Mm-hmm. But I'm staying in the National Guard. So the Army will be my, my part-time job. And so I will get to have a, a real civilian job. As well, I am. I'm hoping to one day open my own restaurant um, or restaurants. I would. That that's the goal, is to to work for myself. <laughs> uh, my my dad and I want to open them together, so I guess we work with each other. Um, but but that's. But I I don't know what I'm what job I'm doing right out of college. I was I was I was just saying like, I had that realization that as I know what I want to do in the future, and I know that it's an attainable goal. I'm not like oh, I'm reaching too far like I, I know that's something I'm, I'm going to be able to do but I have no idea like what job I, I take next so working with my my incredible advisors here at Cornell <laughs> currently um but hopefully have a better answer for you in the near future but <laughs> that's okay too to setting I, me up for such success <laughs> right I mean like I switched my major and I people ask me all the time they're like oh like what do you like what like what do you plan on doing I'm like that's a great question um Ask me uh, maybe in a few months and I'll let you know. I got to do some research. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But I know you said like your goal, your dream was like obtainable. But like, what is your dream job? Like, I I hate, I should stop using the word dream. But, you know, what is that job that you really, really want that you even think that is attainable? It would would definitely be running one restaurant. I mean, it it is like, even though I think it's attainable, it still is my dream job, which honestly is how I know it's the right job. Like the fact that getting to do that would literally be living a dream Mm -hmm. is like, I'm in the right industry. Like that's, it's like people say, do something you love, you never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely. I believe that. that In in however many years when I go to retire, I'm going to look back and say, I, I loved everything I did. Um, and not to say there's not going to be hardships, obviously, but right. um, just because I'm I'm so excited to get into this industry more, more and more. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, owning my own, operating my own restaurant would definitely be the dream job. And I, I do literally sit in class and, and picture myself like cutting the ribbon on our on our first property and and getting to have that like grand opening and my dad and I getting to do that together. And and I I am genuinely genuinely dreaming of of it. So. Um, just getting to to take everything that I've learned and everything that I love and make a career out of it just seems surreal. And I'm so excited to do it. So I, you might not know what kind of um, restaurant it would be, but do you have any idea of what kind of restaurant it would be? Uh, so we have two. Um, one of them is just a basic like, like diner burger, burger and milkshake bar. Like oh, it's so cute. Yeah. Pub vibes, classic American food. Right. right. Um, all, all growing up. You know how one has it like childhood username that they use for everything? Right. So mine was the dancing cow because um, I danced when I was younger and as I said, I, I was showed cows. Um, and right. so it's kind of just been like right. my name, like my email, my, my childhood email, my, my spam email. Um, and so we always said that like we're going to open open a pub because like, a lot of pubs are called like the drinking giraffe or like the hopping rabbit, whatever. Right, right, right. Just like, something funny. The one called the dancing cow. And... And the burgers and milkshakes kind of going with that that cow vibe, but um, this 
like it's just like a, a homey place. Um, that's right. a, a more a more simple idea. The more complicated one is just we'd love to do some kind of farm to table something in the city. Yeah. Um, just growing up involved in agriculture, seeing the importance of of local grown food, right, and and supporting agriculture, but also promoting it to the public as something that's. I know there's a lot of misconceptions about farmers, about agriculture, um, about produce, about dairy, but showing them that like this is something you should support. This isn't this isn't something that's bad for you, um, and it's accessible. Because in the city, I mean, people, especially like people, are very health conscious, but don't know how to go about getting that healthy food. And so, being able to kind of be that source of of supplying for like reaching out to those those properties, of the farms just outside of cities, and being able to serve it just inside the city, mm-hmm. um, and kind of acting like that that middleman, literally that bringing the farm to the table so that people have that yeah. access to it. Um, would be be uh, an incredible combination of, of passions for myself and my dad. Wow. So, still working that. on developing the plans, but those are the, the basic the TLDR. Yeah. You know, just in the works. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> guys, I don't think you guys, I don't think you all understand how awesome Ariel is. <laughs> okay. With that being said, if you could give, and it's my last question, if you could give any piece of advice to a young woman, young girl, dreaming of creating your future, what would it be? My biggest piece of advice would be one step at a time. Like, obviously, great to have those dream goals, as I obviously, as I do, um, <laughs> to kind of guide where those steps are going. But I've been having this, my, my mid-senior year crisis um, has been, like, when I graduate, how do I get from graduating to opening that restaurant? And part of me is like, well, the day after you graduate, you like, you start writing that business plan, but that's not really how it's supposed to work. I mean, like yesterday I got to attend a a round table with one of the speakers, the hotel school is hosting. And one of them, one of the, the students I was with asked our speaker, like if she could talk about, kind of like the next step, like what you do. So I'm graduating May 29th. What I'm, what, I'm, what do I do on May 30th? Right, um, right, right. Celebrate. Right. What do I do on May 31st? Um, <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> you know. What do I do on June Recover first? from it's, celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it, yes, I have that dream job. I have that, that five-year goal, that 10-year goal. What's the first step to that? And I, I think that the biggest piece of advice I give is, is figure out that one step at a time. Talk to your talk to your mentors, talk to uh, your, your parents, your family, um, your friends. It doesn't have to be necessarily professional advice. Um, the people who know you the best can give the greatest advice. Mm-hmm. And obviously I can't, I can't tell you what that next step is because it's very different for everyone, but that's something that I, I just learned. <laughs> I, I called my mom yesterday to tell her that. And I was like, I was like, mom, I figured it out. I was like, I need to go talk to my advisors and ask them like, not what I, what I should do in the future, but like, what should I do after I graduate? She's like, Ariel, I've been telling you that literally for weeks. Um, <laughs> You're but, like, oh, really? But, and, but no, like, and it's okay to, to not know what you're doing. And it's, I joke, this is my mid-senior year crisis because I'm like stressed that I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but the last time I had a mid-senior year crisis in, in high school, I joined the military. So it leads to the best, the best of things. So right. I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes out of, out of this one and just, but, but finding that next step, like you can have those goals and those, those goals, those five-year, 10-year plans can guide those steps. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't achieve those goals. Like there, yes, you can. Absolutely. 
you can just cheesy. You you can do it. Um, but one step at a time. Like don't don't try to jump into that five year goal on day one. That's that's not realistic, and and that's how you're gonna burn yourself out, and how it's gonna turn into from a dream job to a not working out. <laughs> right. But um, but knowing knowing how to take those small steps is is the biggest piece of advice I could give. I love that. That just make that just like makes me think about like all things that have like happened over this past year and you know goals that I have for this upcoming year and sometimes you're just like what do I even do to start off like where do I even start right but then you just say baby steps baby steps and like you know you have so many things in the works you know you're 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 constantly figuring things out and I think that you know. It just, it all takes time. It'll all come full circle. You just got to give yourself time. It happens. And it'll happen. You work your butt off, it'll happen. I love that so much. Okay. Woo! Thank you so much for coming on. I love you so much. Thank you for having me. This is an absolute blast. I just, I love, I'm so happy I had the opportunity to like learn more about you. Like Ariel and I are like friends, but like I don't know any of our backstory, and now I feel like we're best friends. <laughs> okay, so that's it for us, homies. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Graduating and Growth. Peace out. <laughs>